Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. G'day, and welcome to the Garden Gurus Live. I'm Neville Passmore, and I am excited to be here today with you. Um, I'm filling in for Trev. He's out uh, doing some filming today for the Garden Gurus. Now, we're streaming live from the Garden Gurus Facebook site, the Still Facebook site and Garden Express Facebook site, as well as our own YouTube channel. So we're everywhere from the looks of it. Um, Now, what's coming up on the show today? David Van Berkel is going to join us from Garden Express. Now, I've known David for a million years, I think, um, and he's got some interesting plants to offer this week. And we're also going to talk talk about their uh, exciting flower fest, which, as I understand it, is uh, is, is making up for the uh, Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. Um, now, as always, oh sorry, after that, we're talking to Trevor uh, while he's out filming, and he's got a a blower to show us. So that uh, that sounds is pretty interesting. Um, as always, lots of prizes to give away. We've got four packets of Mr. Fothergill's seeds which are right here to um, to give away, and also a fabulous little seed-raising punnet. Now, this one's made out of silicon, very interesting uh, little arrangement and terrific when it comes to reusing it. You can clean these up superbly and they go on forever. I was just saying earlier, we've just got a, a, a baking tray for bread at the moment using this silicon, and it's terrific stuff. Nothing sticks to it. Okay, so... Um, Right now, we've got a question from Annette at the, in the Gold Coast, uh, and it's about a ginger plant which was given to her four years ago. It was supposed to flower, but it hasn't as yet. Now, it's died across the winter months, uh, and yet in the uh, spring and summer, it, it has profuse amounts of uh, foliage, so it's growing well, but never a flower. So she asks, is there a time frame within the age of the plant that they flower or is there something that she should be doing to encourage flowering? Well, gingers normally flower every year. So uh, uh, this plant is uh, is not performing as it should. Um, so I would think that you need to get a bit of uh, potash uh, into the, the system. So give it a feed with a high potash fertiliser. You can go to a, a basic uh, sulphate of potash, uh, which is fairly easy to get hold of. But there's a number of flower-encouraging um, fertilisers on the market as well. So um, get that going. The only other thing I'd think about is, is it getting enough light? 
So plants that are growing in dark locations tend to uh, have not so much uh, in the way of flowering. So that might be something that you can look at. Okay, Craig in Sydney, how do I get rid of leaf curl on my blood orange tree? Now, very common problem um, with citrus, basically. Uh, I can remember uh, some 30-odd years ago, uh, we could see the citrus leaf uh, minor damage coming from the eastern states across to the west and it hadn't arrived here yet. I was out at a, a, a garden and I found this leaf which had those characteristic little squiggly lines in the leaf. So I bought it back and slapped it on the photocopier and sent it out to all the stores that I was working with and said, hey, keep an eye out for this. It's a brand new problem to Western Australia. And uh, within minutes, I had uh, about four calls coming back. What do you mean a new problem? We've been seeing this for years. So uh, these things do move in under the, the cover. All right, how to fix it. Uh, essentially, there's no um, insecticidal sprays that you can use successfully. Uh, the best bet is to actually put an oil spray over the foliage when the new leaves are coming out. And what happens is the moth that lays its eggs into the leaves doesn't like to land on an oily surface. So it's basically um, repelling them uh, because of that oil. So uh, the trick is, as I say, when the new foliage just starts to emerge, it's soft enough for this bug to actually lay its eggs into the leaf. So if you can get rid of it at that point. Now, Valerie from Lake Kathy in New South Wales um, wants some a bit of a bit of advice on how to treat rust under frangipani leaves. Now um, that is um, a fungal problem that affects frangipanis, and it usually occurs in fairly humid locations. So, for an example, it's fairly likely to happen in South Queensland and, and Sydney, uh, less likely to happen happen in uh, uh, dry old Perth. Um, the best treatment for it is if you can open up the bush so that there's uh, better air movement, that might mean a bit of pruning. Uh, you can use a spray called Mancozeb, uh, which is quite effective um, against rusts. Um, so that's probably the two best bets there. Okay. Now, Trevor's out in location, but he's joining us uh, this morning to show off an exciting product. How are you going there, Trev? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you going? Oh, good. This is all fun. It's exciting it's, stuff. <laughs> it's nice to see you in the chair. Look, I'm, I'm having a, a ball. I'm out with a crew, but you know what it's like, Nev. You know, you've got the film crew coming over. You want the garden to look good. I've got a, a bit of space like you have, a big garden, and it takes a bit of, bit of effort to clean it up. So I thought I'd give you a bit of a profile on one of my, um, my favourite tools. I don't know how we ever got away with just having a rake in the past, but this is my favourite tool. This is a, an absolutely brilliant blower back from steel. It's called the BGA 86. Now, it's just one of a couple that we've profiled in recent times on the Garden Guru Show, but I just love this. And the reason I love it is because it's battery powered. So uh, yep. with, with this bigger one, it's, a, it's the bigger batteries, the APs, but they're just fantastic. And, and with these batteries, they go forever. I've been out giving this a really good run and you can see the, the green lights are on. I'm halfway through the battery and I've done the whole garden. I just love this um, this sort of product range. And they've got 
you know, typical of still, I suppose. They've got all of these things that they've thought through so carefully. So when it comes to, well, one, pop the battery in. Just hang on a second. This is this is where it gets difficult with one hand. You can see I'm out on my own. Um, you pop the battery in like, like this and you can hear it click. Yep. And then you've got to push that button. I, can you see my thumb? You can see my thumb. Um, I can't at the moment, no. I think I'm seeing no? a bit of the garden at the moment. <laughs> How's that? Okay, so, that's... So, yeah, yeah, so it's one of those those fantastic safety devices that you've got with a tool like this, but so powerful, Nev. They're just so handy, this, um, this new battery-powered gardening range that covers just about everything you could ever think of as far as tools you'd need. Well, I was inspired by uh, seeing one of your uh, stories on a uh, line trimmer from yep. Still. I went and bought it, the same battery, and uh, I did about two and a half hours of uh, trimming uh, a couple of weeks back on the one wow. battery. And I thought that was that was incredible. Yeah. Well, the, so this, a long time. The, I was going to say this one. You know, this is I've got um, I've got a lot of pathways. I've got a lot of dirt. We had a lot of rain on the weekend actually, and it washed a fair amount of silt all over the driveway. So to give everything a good clean up before the guys got around, I got out. It took me about fifteen minutes, and at no point does this thing slow down. Now I do have two batteries. And I've got the fast charger, so it doesn't take long for this to actually recharge. But you've got an adjustable nozzle on this, which allows you to extend down and get a little bit closer. So depending on how tall or short you are, it allows you to be more efficient in the process. And I think it's this kind of thought process that's still put into their product that's really taken the whole thing to a new level at the moment. I'm absolutely loving them. And, and to be quite honest, I've got the old... Um, you know, engine-powered machine sitting in the shed, and it's just gathering dust at the moment. It just never gets pulled out because yep. battery's so convenient. Well, I uh, I have major problems with petrol-powered garden tools. Uh, they they never work for me. I can never get the damn things to start. So yeah. I'm a, a convert to batteries from quite some time ago now. And I have to say, of all of the tools in my shed, number one in terms of use is the blower. You just use it yep. everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, we used to get around with a rake and, and certainly now, you know, I'm starting to see quite a few autumn leaves falling onto the lawn. Instead of trying to get out and rake them all off the lawn, it takes me five minutes with a blower back just to blow them back into the garden beds where I want the leaf to stay because I want it to break down and improve the soil. But yep. what I'm finding is that um, when it comes to pathways, it's just so much better than getting a broom out. Now, that's um, that's probably when you take a look at it, it's probably cheating in a way, but we don't want to be a slave to maintaining the garden. We want to be out there enjoying the garden, and that's the beauty about these tools from Still. There's everything from hedge trimmers, extendable hedge trimmers and, and chainsaws, right through to, obviously, um, the, the blowers and uh, and the line trimmers, as you've mentioned. But they are absolutely fabulous, Nifty. I'm just so thrilled with it. And um, just at the moment, as we're seeing things like, I don't know whether you can see my dahlias and my roses, they're getting to the end, so they're starting to drop their petals, and um, that can make quite a mess and they can stick to the pathway. But the strength of this blower is such that it cleans everything up. I'm just thrilled with them. Magic stuff. Well, there's a lot of uh, work needs doing in the garden at the moment. We've just uh, pruned a massive uh, rose hedge over the weekend and uh, that's the perfect time. Even though you can gather up the branches, uh, there's so much leaves and in the way of leaves and flowers behind. Uh, that you you that just makes a terrific job to tidy it all up. So yeah, I'm 
much in love with them as well. <laughs> and I can remember when we first started the Garden Gurus, you know, I think it was about the time, I think it was um, Kew Gardens, the, the Royal uh, Royal uh, Horticultural Society came out. They'd been doing those rose trials there and there was, you know, the, the perennial rose experts who'd had 50 years of training who went through and, you know, only pruned to a, you know, a, you know, a right-hand facing angle and they did all these things to make sure the roses were perfect. And it was yep. about that time I remember you adopted the just get out with the hedge trimmer and give them a cut back because that's all they need. And then the research yeah. came back and proved proved it, didn't it? So hedge Absolutely, trimmers yes. hedge trimmers are a simple way to get into your roses as well. And they take off the bulk. So my method of uh, pruning roses, which I, I pinched from uh, Kim Cirrus in South Australia, was yep. a half by a half by a pencil. So the first thing you do is choose a point between the ground and the top of the growth and just cut everything straight through. Hedge trimmers, even chainsaws um, in, in, in old wood uh, work really well. So it's wow. a great start. You can then see where you're going uh, for the next cut, which is to take out every second cane, but go for the old one. So, yeah, that sort of technology is brilliant. And you don't want to be trailing a cord around the uh, the rose bushes. It, it, it gets caught every time, not just occasionally. Yeah. So battery-powered uh, gear now can actually make a real mess of those in a beautiful way, you know. Well, it's certainly been, um, you know, a real revelation for me and it's transformed the way I'm looking after my garden. Of course, great thing about Still is that uh, Still is only sold through the Still dealers. They've got the complete network right across the country and, of course, most of those dealers also service the equipment. So if you ever do have any problems, they're there to back you up as well. It's one of the things I love about the most. Yep, beautiful. All right, Trip, it's been great. Uh, thank you for that, and we'll be back uh, uh, on the show in about one half of a millisecond, I think. Is how All right, mate. <laughs> All right, see you. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on the Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer, so make sure after today's show you jump online and visit their website. Righty-o. Next, we've got a question from Debbie in Perth. Um, I have two years of grasshoppers eating everything. I know with cooler weather they'll die off, but is but what is the best way to get rid of these pests uh, that are making such a mess of the leaves? Well, here's one out of um, out of left field for you, Debbie. Um, molasses, black strap molasses. If you get a hold of this, uh, dilute it with warm to hot water. Uh, to the point where you've got seven parts of water to one part molasses. Uh, spray it over the foliage of your plants um, and it increases the sugar level and uh, caterpillars and grasshoppers won't touch it. Now, it works really well until the next rain and then you have to do it all over again. So I hope that helps you out. Thanks, Debbie. Now, Donna, not sure where Donna's from, but what is the best way to treat scale on orchids? Pretty tricky one because many of the orchids are susceptible to uh, damage through the, um, uh, through the application of oil-based sprays. So I'd have a crack at, um, firstly, making sure that ants aren't a problem. So if you can control ants, you'll often control the spread of scale insects. Uh, one way of doing that might be as simple as getting some petroleum jelly 
and running that around the base of the pot so that they can't get up there. Um, then I hand treat the, uh, the scale, see if you can scrape them off. Uh, you can use a, a mix of methylated spirits and water, uh, one meths to four water, and just paint that on literally with a small paintbrush. Um, so give that a go and see how you go. Thank you for that, Donna. Okay, now Keith uh, from Moorbank in New South Wales. He's got a large mango tree with clusters of five to ten mangoes. Some of them have a brown mark on them. Uh, do I know what this could be? Okay, look, best guess is um, the biggest disease problem of mangoes worldwide, a disease called anthracnose. Uh, and this needs some sort of a copper-based spray to, to uh, combat it. That's likely. Another possibility is fruit fly. Um, now, I don't know what problems you might have in your area with fruit fly. Uh, they often do uh, attack them uh, uh, once the fruit have started to colour. So I uh, hope that might help you out there. And uh, there is nothing quite like the taste of a freshly picked mango when it's nice and ripe, beautiful. Okay, Kate, uh, is, who comes from Bell in Queensland, uh, what's the best way to eradicate red spider mite on indoor plants? Okay, it's a tough one. Uh, you can buy predatory mites that you can actually introduce to your plants. They, um, the, the insects or the, the, the mites are actually um, present in a form of vermiculite. So you actually uh, dab the vermiculite around the, uh, your plants and the mites emerge from that and uh, attack the red spider mite. So that's probably the, the, the most environmentally friendly way to tackle them. Another thing to think about is that mites don't like uh, humid, moist conditions. So if you can increase the humidity, particularly on the underside of the foliage uh, of your plants, that can help. And a way of doing that is to uh, put some bowls of water under your plants and even syringe them down occasionally, particularly once again on the underside, and uh, even wipe them down with a wet cloth uh, to, to uh, upset the, the spider mites. So good luck with that one. Tracy uh, from Victoria, somewhere in Victoria, uh, has started growing an avocado tree from seed. How long will it take to fruit? And do I have any advice on taking care of it? Well, look, it's a fabulous indoor tree. It really performs well as an indoor plant. Uh, how long is it going to take to fruit? Interesting question. And it's a, there's, there's no real answer to that because seedlings are highly variable. So I've heard of people uh, waiting for 10, even 15 years to get their first fruit from a seedling. And yet I've also heard of people that have got fruit within 12 to 18 months. So it's the whole spectrum. Uh, you don't know quite what you're going to get. So that's one of the reasons if you want avocado fruit that you would buy a named grafted variety. But it, look, it's an easy care plant. It looks terrific indoors. A lot of people uh, can't imagine that, but glossy foliage, large leaves, and uh, that way it's, it's getting some value even if it doesn't produce uh, fruit for you in a hurry. Okay, now we're uh, pretty excited to have David Van Berkel from Garden Express joining us today. Um, Dave, it's been a fair while. How the heck are you? Really good, Neville, and yourself? 
I couldn't be better. Mate, it has been a while. I think uh, maybe a flower show a few years ago I've seen you and a, and a couple of times prior to that, but uh, really good to see you again. Likewise, yeah, yeah, and you're looking very young. Um, oh, well, I appreciate you that. Do it. <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah. Travelling in a good paddock, so um, no, happy days. Yep, beautiful. So, now, um, yeah, what have you got for us this week? This week, uh, Neville, we've got uh, a couple of Protea collections uh, on the go. Um Proteas are a fabulous part of our flower fest, really, really popular, um, uh, you know, around the country. Of course, they're quite diverse in the areas that they can grow. Uh, they love the sort of cooler weather to set the flowers. Um, yeah, so we've got some beautiful varieties. I think we've got uh, over a dozen online at the moment, a few individuals. But the collections, Neville, are saving 20%, down to $35.70 for three plants. Three plants, right? Oh, well, they're slow-growing plants, particularly in the early stages, but such magnificent garden shrubs and uh, long season of flowering, and they're certainly beloved uh, of our Australian birds, particularly. Uh, they really make uh, uh, that the, the centre of their uh, area of use in, of a garden uh, once you've got a few proteas going. They certainly do, and if you you need to have a little bit of space for them, don't you? You know, once they start to really get up there and uh, and throw their nice long stems, um, beautiful, beautiful big flowers, which just last forever. Uh, yep. And I find I've got quite a few in the garden, of course. And and after a few years, you start to get enough blooms to to pick and make a beautiful big arrangement indoors, um, but still enjoying, you know, having the flowers out there for the birds and uh, and for yourself. Well, that's, uh, that sort of leads me to uh, some memories of my first uh, visit to a flower farm in South Australia where they were growing proteas and leucodendrons and leucospernums. And it was the first time I'd seen these plants really grown to their uh, proper um, extent. And, oh, they were just knockout material. And because they're bracts as opposed to flowers that we see, they've got such long life. You can get weeks, sometimes months out of uh, a cut flower from the protea family. So they're, they're great value indoors as well. Absolutely. And look, making some really dried arrangements as well, you know, the leucodendrons and, and um, particularly just, just last forever with, with that nice colour. Um, yep. and, and the farm that you talk about, you know, we've got a couple locally here where they produce the flowers off and it, it is unbelievable to see a, a nicely maintained um, bush or large shrub um, just just full, full of these yep. beautiful colours. So, yeah, as I said, they're one of our most popular features of the um, of the Flower Fest because of their beauty. Well, I can remember talking to a grower over here, um, a flower grower, he, who grew banksias and proteas uh, on the same property, and he said the banksias got hammered by all the insects because they've been around for a few million years here in Australia, but the proteas uh, didn't seem to be affected uh, and they were, they were as clean as a whistle. And he said he talked to growers in South Africa and they said exactly the reverse. The proteas get hanging, hammered over there and the banksias shine through without any trouble. So they're Amazing. pretty free from pests over here, which is terrific. I've, I've noticed that, yeah. I... I, I... It's a good way to uh, to put that into relativity, and um, yeah, for sure, they're they're clean and 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 really quite easy once they're established. Um, yeah, beautiful. Now, David, you mentioned Flower Fest. Tell me all about it. 
Oh, well, the Flower Fest, we're, we're a good uh, week or so in now. We're having a lot of fun, uh, getting a lot of orders and interest from uh, from customers. Um, and the team are still putting together some some great deals. We've got a, a beautiful daffodil show bag coming up, Neville. I've got one yep. of my older growers, and, and he's trying to uh, quit a little bit of his stock, which is timely for us to uh, put that together in, in a massive deal, and that's coming up later in the week. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, uh, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. It's been fun and uh, great to catch up with you again. Yep. And, you uh, too, Neville. And, uh, and keep it up, mate. You look fantastic on the screen there. This show is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com. Okay, the plant of the week this week is turmeric. So this is a, uh, a spice from the ginger family. This is what the plant looks like and... Uh, this is a this thumper here I literally pulled out of the uh, uh, the hydroponic system this morning to bring in and show you. So down here is where the action happens. That's the uh, the root system. Uh, the rhizomes are the part of the plant that you actually harvest, and we harvest these in September. So here we are. We've got nearly six months to go before harvest, and you can see. Already there's a, a massive amount of growth taking place here. Now, um, curcumin is the active ingredient in the turmeric plant, and um, that's got lots of, um, uh, of, of accolades uh, down through the ages. So it's been used in Ayurvedic medicine as well as Chinese herbal medicine literally for thousands of years. Um, it's very well respected as an anti-inflammatory. And uh, so I try to get some of this into me every day. Now, how do you do that? Because it's not a particularly nice thing to eat. Well, first of all, we uh, harvest the, the rhizomes uh, around about September, dry them in a food dryer, and then pulverise them into this powder. So this goes into our a smoothie every day, about a teaspoon. So that's a good start. But then the killer application, as far as I'm concerned, is we make a brew called Zinga beer. So it's like uh, ginger beer with turmeric added in as well. So you get the two of them. And they're in the in the family Zinga Beriaceae. So there's where the name comes from. Anyway, this is a fabulously refreshing drink. So um, how do you grow it? It's a tropical herb. It needs to be grown uh, ideally in a pot, I think, in most areas, uh, unless you've got uh, summer rainfall climates such as southern um, Brisbane, or sorry, southern uh, New South Queensland and uh, New South Wales. Uh, but it can be grown quite successfully uh, in, in Perth and even Melbourne, uh, particularly as a potted plant. Um, I haven't seen these flowering uh, in the nursery at this stage, but uh, because we don't let them stay more than one year, so it gets stuck into them. Um, 
very attractive flowers, however, when you do see them. Uh, and there's a, quite a number of the turmerics that are uh, used as florist flowers. Um, you can buy these plants in some nurseries or have a look on Facebook Marketplace. There's a, a few opportunities there as well. Okay, now back to questions. So uh, Sandra from Brisbane, when can I prune my sunshine blueberries? Well, pretty good rule of thumb here is prune anything after it's fruited. So uh, these are mostly evergreen plants, that the blueberries. Um, so I'd wait until you've picked your last crop and then just trim them back. Um, and you can trim them fairly hard if you need to, but you don't have to do that to get uh, fruit. So basically, give them a light trim, probably give them a feed straight away and uh, get some action happening. Uh, Kirsty from Rutherford in New South Wales. I have an orange tree that has a fruit on it for quite some time, but the fruit is not changing colour, not turning. Um, okay, well, look, I wouldn't worry about that at all. Uh, it's very common for oranges to hang on to their, uh, their, their fruit for a long time. Um, navel oranges tend to uh, come online May, June, but if it's a Valencia, for an example, um, they really hit their straps about September. So it means even the my oranges at home are still uh, bright green. You can just see the beginnings of a little bit of yellow in some of the, the fruits, but mostly they're as green as grass. So hang fire. I'm sure it'll all work out fine. Now, shoe. Uh, once again, not sure where shoe comes from. When should I start pruning my roses? Uh, they have so much black spot and scale. Okay, um, well, there's an interesting answer to that. You can prune them any time you like. Um, I think that the best time for you is now going to be to wait until the middle of uh, winter when they're completely dormant. Uh, cut them back very hard and you do need to treat that scale. Once again, uh, oil-based sprays are a pretty good value for that. Um, when it comes to pruning roses, I've got a, a bit of a philosophy there, and that is that every time you have a flush of flowers uh, and, and that stops, then jump in and reduce the plant back lightly. Um, so give it a, 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 not a short haircut, but a long haircut, if I can call it that, and uh, they will come back into uh, new growth and more flower for you. So it's not inconceivable that you could prune them back four or five times a year. So there you go. This podcast is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools, backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence. To get your hands on their range, visit your local Still dealer today or visit still.com.au. Christine uh, from Stirling in Western Australia, uh, hoping you can help with my sick rose. I think it's been affected by chili thrips. What is the best treatment, please? Okay, well, chili thrips are a new pest to Perth. They were first uh, discovered here just after 2000, uh, the year 2000, uh, but they've been hanging around doing nothing until about 18 months ago when they hit with a bang and it was a very mysterious problem. Uh, and, and it still is a bit of a mysterious problem because these thrips strike when the foliage is very fresh and young and by the time their damage is noticed, they've gone on to the next bush. So 
it, that that makes them a bit hard to follow down. The only treatment that we've found that uh, works for home gardeners is the soap-based sprays, so Natra soap and, and the likes, uh, but it's all in the timing. So you actually have to wait until the new foliage is just starting to come through and spray it, and that's in a prophylactic way. So in other words, you're trying to get ahead of the of the issue, and the um, uh, the bugs or the, or the thrip don't like to um, uh, mix it with those uh, soap-based sprays, so they go elsewhere. So that's about all you can do at this stage. Okay, now uh, Anya from Parramatta, New South Wales, what's the best way to get rose cuttings to strike? Uh, I'm doing something wrong. I have hydroponics, which is awesome, till they go into the soil when they die. I've tried root powder and potting mix. Okay, well, look, I think the best thing to suggest is firstly that um, you take midwinter cuttings. So when your uh, roses are fully dormant, uh, it is the easiest time to get them to strike. Um, I would certainly recommend using some of the hormone gels. Uh, they work very well. Um, get them started uh, as you have in, uh, say, perlite or clay. I'm not sure what hydroponic medium you have. Um, but, but get them out of their early spring. As soon as the – when you tug on the plant uh, on the cutting – and you can feel resistance, it means that there's a root system holding it into terra firma, if I can put it that way. Uh, that's the time to get them out and uh, put them into uh, a bigger pot with uh, potting mix, but I'd even mix a bit of perlite with that just to sort of break it down a little bit, get them started in a pot, and it can be a quite a small skinny pot. Uh, once they're growing, then you can pop them on and they're as happy as Larry. Okay, uh, Debbie. Uh, not sure where Debbie's from. How tall does the silver moon grevillea get? Uh, now, I don't know silver moon, so I can't answer that one. Um, however, uh, probably the best bit is just to Google it. Uh, it's a variety I'm not familiar with. Um, there is a new one out for, from uh, Western Australia from the Kings Park called something similar to that. And it might, in fact, be the, uh, the one you've got in which case that's about a one and a half to two metre high plant. But they do vary a lot. Uh, we're planting out grevilleas now that will go to um, three and four metres high. So there's quite a variation from those to the ground covers. So don't have a very good answer there, but I hope that helps in some way. Robbie, uh, once again, not sure where you come from, Robbie, uh, has hedges, um, prune, prunus lusitanica, and the leaves are all dying, uh, what can I use to bring them back? Okay, um, I would suggest here that you mulch the plants really well, uh, give them a light um, general purpose fertiliser, um, and basically that's it for the moment. Just watch to see how they come through. Eva from Perth, uh, struggling to get control of mealybug infestation with oil sprays. Uh, they especially seem to love my chilies, rosella and manuka pot plants. Is there any way of getting them under control? Well, uh, Eva, you are facing one of the most uh, tricky uh, and difficult pests to deal with uh, in pot growing. Um, once again, ants can be a transporting uh, body here to move them around. So 
uh, try and get uh, ants uh, under control. And once again, I mentioned earlier that uh, idea of using some petroleum jelly around the base of the pots so that the, the ants won't get over it. Um, I do use a, um, a paintbrush with meths uh, to actually touch the individual mealy bugs when you can see them, and also a dilute spray of one to four. So one part methylated spirits to four parts uh, water. Uh, and just lightly spray that down into the axles because it's in those little leaf axles that the, the mealybug hide. So I uh, hope that helps. Okay, now, um, so that's it for today's episode of The Garden Gurus Live. Thank you for joining us and thanks for your patience with our technical issues today. Uh, Trevor's going to be back for another episode uh, next Monday at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Lachlan will reach out to this week's winners. Make sure you check your messages uh, to see if you won that packet of seeds or, if you're really lucky, that terrific seedling punnet. That's a ripper. Uh, the Garden Guru's Autumn Series is back on Channel 9, uh, 9 uh, Channel 9, sorry, at 4.30pm. Remember, you can always jump onto our website and catch up on our previous stories uh, on thegardengurus.tv or your YouTube channel, thegardengurus.tv. So you can uh, listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Audible. We'll see you again Monday, 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Happy gardening, everyone. Feeling good in the ground. I got my spade, I got my hole, I got my rake, and I'm ready to go.